Princeton going to Superstart. Uh, and Superstart is a weekend event where students learn to grow with friends, leaders, and most importantly, God. So that fund, uh, all the money from that will be going to that. So participate, please. And then uh, there will be um, the class for junior and senior high this morning is canceled. Uh, so please stay in the service. Um, I have more up here, um, and uh, you can can get it and fill it out, and then uh, after worship we will collect them. And then at the end of the service, we're going to total them all up and see what our church's faith promise pledge is. If you remember last year, um, we collected and or we collected them and counted, and I think we gave a little over twenty-two thousand dollars last year, which is twice what we did the year before. So twice this year. If everyone just doubles what you gave last year, no, we're not really asking that unless that is how God moved uh, you to do it. So if you need a card, I will put them in the back and you can come back and, and grab one and get it filled out. And then after worship, we'll collect them. So Brian, take us away. All right. Thanks, Deb. Will you stand? Um, we're just going to spend some more time uh, just lifting our hearts to God and what he's doing. And this first song is just um, asking God to bring his kingdom, which is what, what we're here for this week. And um, so sing along with us. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made Come set our hearts ablaze With hope like wildfire in our very souls Holy Spirit, come invade us now We are your church We need your power in us Thank you. 
there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, on display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sins. When my fear is crippling, you are true, you are true, even in my wandering, you are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I see, you are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting.
our prayer. So uh, please be seated and kids can be dismissed. I have not uh, I have not kept it a secret that missions conference is the highlight of my year. Uh, when we can come together and hear what God is doing around the world and, uh, and, and learn some things along the way. And it's just been uh, incredible this time. Uh, Wednesday we had 70 or so here on Wednesday night and, and, and heard what surprised me that Africa is not the dark continent. That there has been a great light shine in Africa over the last several decades and what God is doing uh, in, in that continent throughout those countries and what he's doing through the alliance uh, to reach that part of the world. And uh, it, it's, it's been exciting uh, to me to, to hear and, and, and all the things that God is doing. One of the parts of Missions Conference, of course, is the, our faith promise. Every year we take a faith promise pledge. And uh, if you have your card, if you've not already turned it in or dropped it in the offering box, if you would uh, just take that out right now, we're going to collect that. But I want to pray uh, for them first. And uh, so if you just take those out and... Uh, we, we want to prayerfully consider how we are going to support uh, this continued work around the world. And all of our missionaries are funded through the Great Commission. They're not going around trying to raise support. Um, their support is guaranteed uh, by our faithfulness to continue to give. So let's just take those cards. Let me pray. And, uh, and then we'll collect them. Father, today we present to you five loaves and two fish. Father, it seems meager. It looks meager. It's not up to the challenge or the task that is before us to reconcile all men unto yourself to the ends of the earth. Father, we ask that you take these, that you take this faith promise, that you take these cards, that you would multiply them, joining them together with all of the other churches this year. Father, that we would continue to hear the great work that you are doing, the, the ministry that you are accomplishing, the lives that are changed, that are transformed. Because a light has been shown. A light has been, been shared. Father, in Africa and other places. Father, we just ask your blessing, your multiplication, through the generosity of your people. Father, by faith we give it. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got a couple guys, Joe and Joe. If your name's Joe, if you'd kind of just walk down through, pass them to the kind of center aisles, and Joe Blaylock and Joe Trotty will, will pick those up and take them back, and we will reveal at the end <clears throat> what they will be. This has been a great uh, three or four days, and uh, I, I from even with all the work that has gone into it, um, and my wife says you have to make sure that you thank everyone that was 
involved in bringing this together. So I've made a list, and I'm sure that I have forgotten some, but I do want to just thank uh, Becky Merkel first um, for organizing, decorating. People said the decorations are great. I didn't have anything to do with those. Those are Becky. The communications, keeping everyone uh, involved. We want to thank uh, Patty Trotty and Shelly Schrock, Kristen Kiesling, Brittany Crowder for, for the banquet meal. Um, that was phenomenal. Um, the youth group, the Ninja Tribe for serving uh, at the banquet. We want to thank the Trotties for hosting the Livingstons this weekend. Uh, the Blaylock Small Group for providing meals. Brian Hatton and Jeremy Martin for the tech support. Uh, Rachel Riley, Rachel LaRue, and all of the volunteers for the kids program Wednesday night. Um, Neil Gifford, Phil Glaze, Jake, Johnny Drums, Kirk. Uh, for promotion, if you saw that video a couple weeks ago, uh, for the commissions committee and anyone else I have, may have missed. We can't pull this off uh, on, a, on a whim. Uh, and I just thank you for all the planning and uh, work that has gone in uh, to this week. Um, but I also want to thank Jeter and Laura Livingston for coming uh, to us. Uh, coming all the way from Africa. Actually, they came via Wheaton uh, this week, but uh, is where they are staying right now. Um, so, uh, Jeter, would you just come and share what the Lord has laid on your heart for us this morning? Okay? Oh, there we go. Okay. Again, it's been a real privilege for Laura and I to be here with you for these few days. I want to especially thank the Trotties for taking us in and making us feel very welcome, very comfortable. And the uh, small group last night for all the good food we've eaten all these days, I probably weighed 10 more pounds than when I came here. So I thank you very much for that. It's a privilege to be able to talk with you a little bit about what God is doing around the world and a little bit about what we're experiencing where we've been serving for the last 30 years. But before I begin, let's uh, take a moment and ask God to speak to us this morning, change our hearts, and make us more like him. Let's pray. Father, all the glory goes to you forever and ever. You are the only God. You are the one who has created us the one who has given us life, the one who sustains us, the one who has brought us into your family forever. We're grateful for the freedom that we have to come and worship you together this morning. We know that there are many around the world today gathering in your name, millions, some having to go into hiding because of the danger of being uh, one of your family, but we have perfect freedom to come today. So we ask that you would take away anything that might hinder us from hearing you speak this morning. You have the words of life. So come Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. Help us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I first met this young couple uh, standing behind Laura and I, Amos and Sylvie Mommy, when uh, Laura and I and a few others on the staff had the awful responsibility to go and inform Amos that his father, Moise Mommy, 
had been murdered while doing Ebola prevention work in his home country of Guinea. Moise was one of eight people killed when the villagers that they were trying to help heard a rumor that actually the virus-killing bleach that they were distributing was actually the Ebola virus, and they had come to kill them. And so the villagers panicked and killed them and threw their bodies into a well. Now, Moise Mami was an extraordinary man, an alliance pastor in the National Alliance Church there in the country of Guinea, and he used holistic ministries to open doors in a region of that country that had very little access to the gospel. So in addition to doing evangelism and church planning, he helped found uh, what is known as Hope Clinic, an alliance-run clinic there in the country of Guinea. And he directed uh, an NGO, a non-governmental organization, that provides wells and community develop and health education uh, for people in that region. And his son Amos had come to Fatiak, the West Africa Alliance Seminary, where Laura and I were teaching, to study with us with the goal of being trained and going back and joining with his father in that ministry to the Kono people. And so when news came of Moise's death, his, uh, Amos and his wife Sylvie and their newborn daughter had only been on the campus of Fatiak, the seminary, for about a week. They had made a very dangerous, very long, multi-day journey uh, up the country into Mali and back down into Abishan, uh, made much longer because our borders were closed with the country of Guinea at that time because of the Ebola. And as soon as they got to Abidjan, where the seminary is located, they were robbed of all their important papers, their passports, uh, identification papers, everything. And then, because we did not know that they were coming, we were not allowed to have them onto our campus because they came from a country where Ebola was present, and they had to get checked out by the medical personnel and get a certificate of health before we were allowed to have them on campus. And so, when they got on campus... Many of the other students wouldn't have anything to do with them because they were afraid that they were carrying the Ebola virus. And then, after a few days, we came with word of his father's murder. Now, a few months later, while they were still trying to get over this terrible shock, we got word that Sylvie's adopted parents had also died. Her father, her adopted father, she had lost her parents uh, when she was very, very young, And her adopted father was a medical doctor, and he was treating people with Ebola. He got the disease himself. He didn't know it. Passed it to his wife. And so Sylvie, again, was made an orphan. Can you imagine having been there for just a month and having all these things falling on your head? But yet, if you were to go to the West African Seminary today, you would find Amos and Sylvie, Mommy, still there, still studying hard, still with that vision of returning back to their home country to help build the kingdom of God there among people who have very little access. And when I look at them, and I look at the other students that are at our seminary who are sacrificing a great deal to come, I ask myself, why? Why did they do that? Why did they willingly suffer like that to get that education. And I think one of the reasons is because Amos and Sylvie and the others that are there understand 
much more clearly than many of us what God is doing in the world today and what he wants them to do. One of the favorite courses that I've developed over the years, one of my favorite courses, is a course they call The Big Picture. And Laura has taken this course and adapted it for her classes in the Women's Academy. And in the Women's Academy, you have men, uh, ladies with uh, various levels of education, uh, most only a grammar school, elementary school education, so she has to adapt her teaching to them. And one thing she does is uh, give a final exam in this form. This is her final exam in the class for uh, the big picture. So if you can tell me what's going on in this picture, I will give you an A in her course. What she has done is take the Bible story and make it into a visual. And so you have here this cohesive story that we find beginning in Genesis and going all the way to Revelation. And it has many themes and one thing we will discover uh, this morning. The peoples of the earth, all the peoples of the earth, different cultures, different languages, different ethnic groups are all the focus of God's story, of what God is doing in the world today. In our country of Cote d'Ivoire, which is about the size of New Mexico, we have over 100 different people groups, every one of them with a different language. And Africa, as a continent, has over 3,700 different ethnic groups. And the beginning and the end of God's story revolves around his destiny for all the peoples of the world, including those in Africa and those here in America. And as this story opens, we find it in Genesis chapter 12, where God is, calls out Abram, who later becomes Abraham. He calls him out to follow him, and he makes a covenant with him. He gives him certain promises, things that he will do. And we find those here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, where God promises that he will bless Abraham, that he himself will be a blessing, that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through him. So from the beginning, God's story involves every culture, every language, every ethnic group. His desire from the beginning has been to bless all the peoples of the earth. Now some of you might be like me. Whenever I pick up a book, I usually read the first chapter and then I read the last chapter to see how it's going to turn out. And then I read the rest to see how it develops and gets to the end. And you can do that with scripture. You can turn to the last book in scripture... And there you will find the end of the story. And it's, this is uh, found here in Revelation chapter 7, uh, verse 9, where he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. That's the end of the story. Every people group will be represented around that throne. I want to be there. I want to be a part of that throng around the throne. And I hope you do too. So from eternity past, all the way to eternity future, God has promised to bless the nations. His desire is that they all be gathered around his throne, 
praising his name forever. And so, in many good stories, in all good stories, there's a key figure, a, a, a key to the story. And you find that with scripture. It's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we have that here in Luke chapter 2, where this old man, Simeon, who had been told by God that he would see God's salvation, God's Messiah, before he died. And eight days after his birth, Jesus' parents took him into the temple, and there was Simeon, and this is what he says. My eyes have seen your salvation. And get this. What you have prepared, where? In the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your people, Israel. So, God promised Abraham that he would bless all nations through him. Jesus came as the Messiah to bring salvation to all nations. And at the end, all nations will be represented in worship around the eternal throne. So the theme is that God's desire, God's heart is that all nations have access to the gospel. From the beginning to the end of God's story, we see this theme of all nations repeated time and time again. Look at a few examples. This is one of my favorite verses or passages. Psalm 67, 1 through 3. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Now who doesn't want that? We all want to be blessed by God. But notice what the psalmist says. Why should we want to be blessed by God? So that your ways, your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Another one, Psalm 86. Again, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. Get into the prophets. You find it again. Isaiah 42. He's talking about Jesus here. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. To the nations. We get into the New Testament. We find the same thing again. Matthew 24, 14. A verse that that was a motivating verse for the early alliance missionaries around the world. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So, nations, peoples, nations, that is what is on God's heart. Now, when we talk about nations... Most of us probably have what I call a nightly news view of the nations. Nations are always in the news. I mean, nation is fighting against nation. People are trying to escape one nation to go another nation, creating problems with immigrants. Nations are, are, are in the news, in the headlines all the time. But when scripture talks about nations, it gives us a totally different picture. You look into the original languages, into Hebrew, into Greek, and you find that the word that we translate nations actually has another group. It means a people or peoples or a tribe, a nation or a people group. So it's totally different. When the, na- when the scripture talks about nations, it's talking about ethnic groups. It's talking about groups of people who share something in common. A culture, a language, 
uh, customs and, and those kinds of things. So, when we look at what Scripture is saying, it's not saying go into every uh, geopolitical entity on the earth. It's saying go to every people group on the earth and preach the good news. So, all that we find in Scripture, all the subplots in God's inspired word, whether it's Exodus or it's Noah's Ark or it's David's throne, Solomon's temple, crucifixion, uh, resurrection, all of these fit into the big picture of what God is doing in the world, of, of calling people to himself, of fulfilling the promises that he made to Abraham. His promise was that all nations will be blessed through Abraham, so that every nation, every tribe, every people, every language will be represented around that throne at the end of the story. That's the big picture. And that is the truth that motivated Moses Mami to sacrifice his life for people that had not yet heard God's story. And that's the story that challenges his son Amos to prepare himself to go back and take up his father's work. Amos understands, and Amos takes seriously God's or Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations. Amos longs to see the Kano people who have very little access to the gospel be among those nations worshiping around the throne of God at the end of the story. So that brings us to us today here in Muncie, Indiana. The question for us is, what does it mean for us here to fulfill the Great Commission? That's what God is doing in the world today. And he will accomplish what he promised. He will do what he says he will do. But what we need to ask ourselves is, what about me? God has called me out of the darkness into the light. What am I to do? What is my role to play in God's story? What does it mean for me and for us as a community to obey God's command to reach every people group on this earth? When Jesus gave this command, and you know this, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. When he gave that command, it was a command that is still, it is a command that is still active today. We too are commanded, not asked, hey, if you have time. No, we are commanded to go and make disciples. We are invited into the story, and we are given a role to play, and we need to understand what that role is, how it looks, and how we are to accomplish it. Now, many people tell me, as I go from church to church, I don't need to go to Africa to be a missionary. We have plenty of needs here at home, and that is absolutely true. And the world is coming to us here in the United States, and it will be more and more and more. You don't have to go very far to find people groups that are not your people groups, find nations and peoples and ethnic groups represented here in Muncie. People around here need to hear that story. That is true. And you need to be involved as a community, as an individual, in reaching those people around here in Muncie, Indiana. You are the salt. You are the light. You are the city set on on a hill here in Muncie. But if that is all we do, 
then this promise that God has given will never be fulfilled. Because if we just concentrate on this area, there will remain many, many people groups that have no access to the gospel unless someone from the outside brings it to them. Let me, let me try to help you understand that a little bit more. This year we're li- living in uh, Wheaton, Illinois. And if you go on to the uh, official website of the city of Wheaton, you will find uh, 55,000 people, more or less, and they list 36 churches. But the reality is, in our small town of Wheaton, Illinois, there are 442 different congregations. You want to find Jesus in Wheaton? It's not very hard. It's not very hard. And I noticed yesterday, riding around Muncie, Indiana, there are a lot of churches here as well. It's not very hard if you want to find Jesus in Wheaton, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. We have access. We have television. We have radio. We have bookstores. We have churches on every corner. But in our little country of Africa, uh, Cote d'Ivoire in Africa, amongst all our people groups, there are still 36 people groups representing over 6 million people who have little or no access to the gospel. Somebody has to come from the outside and bring access to them. You look at the world in its entirety, and there are almost 4,000 people groups today in the world that have very little access to the gospel. Somebody has got to go and tell them. This is Sally, Sally Mata Dembele. This is a young woman, a woman that we have known for many years. We were at her wedding uh, about 30 years ago. She was born into a people group that had, at that time, very little access to the gospel. But as a teenager, she was sent off to boarding school, as they do in Cote d'Ivoire. And there she came in contact with girls that had a different way of looking at things. And in talking with them, she found that there were other ways to look at the world. And she became fascinated with that. And one of those girls gave her a New Testament. And with a lot of fear, she began to read. And as she read, she began to believe. And she gave herself to Christ. Knowing that, in doing so, it was very, very likely that she would be cut off from her family, from her people group. But she became a believer. She embraced entirely the words of Christ as the truth. And since then, she has dedicated her life to reaching or creating access to the gospel for people groups in her home country of Cote d'Ivoire, especially in the Muslim north of Cote d'Ivoire. So in areas where there are many villages, even whole regions with little or no access to the gospel, Sally goes in, uh, often with a group of women, negotiates with the village chief, and she offers to bring in medical help or uh, training and hygiene and nutrition or uh, bring in school supplies for the children, those kinds of things, only if the village chief will allow her to show the Jesus film in their language at night in the village. And many, many chiefs have allowed that. And she has brought the gospel to places where the gospel was not accessible uh, before. So she goes in, she does these outside things, uh, she, she brings in uh, uh, social services, and because of that, 
In the Muslim North, where there was very little access, very little light, there is now hundreds of people, formerly Muslims, who are now believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because of her effort. So, creating access for the gospel from the outside is the first step. And that's what Laura and I have been doing for 30-some-odd years. But then Sally, people that we've helped to train, step in and create access from the inside. And so the process continues until the entire world is reached for Christ. There's still much to be done. There are still, like I said, almost 4,000 groups in the world today who have little or no access to the gospel. Acts said, Acts said that we are to go and to reach all peoples through the power of Christ, and then the end will come. And so progress in fulfilling the Great Commission is measured in how many people groups have gotten access to the gospel. Now, I am a Christian Missionary Alliance missionary. I have been for many, many years, and I belong to that organization, and this church is a part of that denomination. And we, as an organization, as a denomination, as a little part of the church of God around the world, we've given a bold response. This is what we've been doing over the years. For 127 years, the Alliance has been working in other places, bringing access to the Gospels. And so today, we have a network of churches that are shown here in blue on your screen where there are strong networks of Alliance churches and other churches. These are places where now today there is sustained access to the gospel. And as you notice, you are living in one of those areas that have been blessed by God. And in these places in orange, the Alliance is still working alongside national churches to reach people groups within those countries that do not yet have access to the gospel. So in all the places where the Alliance is working today, and there's 80-some-odd countries, there are now 52, 52 networks of churches, national churches, that are partnering together in what we call the Alliance World Fellowship to continue to create access to the gospel around the world. And of those 52, there are 22 of them, that are already sending out their own missionaries. Where we lived in Cote d'Ivoire, that church, that national church, Alliance Church, has no more missionaries working with it. They are sending their own missionaries. They don't need us. And they have 40 plus, almost 50 missionaries now, working in the country and in surrounding countries to give access to the gospel to people who don't have it. Now there is still a lot to be done, as we have seen this morning. We look to the future and where the Alliance can have its greatest impact. And you see this outline, this little rectangle, kind of in uh, orange or yellow there. That is where the largest number of people groups who have no access are located today. And 80% of the 700 Alliance missionaries are working in that block, in that region of the world today, to bring access to the gospel to all people groups. These ovals that you see here represent seven clusters of people groups that have some things in common, language, uh, uh, ethnicity, whatever. And within these clusters of people are where you find Alliance staff working. 
And at Fatiak in West Africa, where we've been serving, we are training men and women, not just from the Alliance, from 60 different organizations, denominations, to go back to their home countries and to continue that process of creating access to the gospel to people who have no access at this point. So that's how the Alliance, what you are a part of, is answering that question, what is our role in what God is doing in the world today? The question, though, is what are you doing? What am I doing? And there are many ways that you can be involved in what the Alliance and other organizations are doing around the world to bring access to people who have no access. Here's one way. You can pray. And that's probably the most important thing that you will ever do in helping to fulfill God's promises around the world. If you are not praying here in the United States, then I might as well pack up my bags and come home because the work will not be done. You can pray. You want uh, more information on these people groups that we're working with, go to this website, uh, cmalliance.org slash peoples, and they will give you all kinds of uh, statistics and information about the people groups so that you can better pray. Or you can sign up at this site, and they will send you monthly updates on what the Alliance and other organizations are doing in these parts of the world. And that way you can pray with information. You can pray knowing uh, what's happening in those areas. But that's not all. We've already talked this morning about the Great Commission Fund. And the fact is that if people are not giving to the Great Commission Fund, again, we pack up our bags and we come home. We are able to do what we do or what we have been doing because people here give to the Great Commission Fund and that gives us a cost of allowance, uh, cost of living allowance and then enables us to get things done on the field. Or you can take it another step and you can go yourself. There's a whole lot that you can be do be doing in the world today. You know, we have over 2,000 Alliance churches here in the United States. They work together through the Great Commission Fund. And they are training people. They are casting that vision of what God is doing in the world today and our role in it. And today, you have access to all kinds of things. You want to go for a week, two weeks? You want to go for three months? You want to go for a year, two years? You can do it with the Christian Missionary Alliance. We are doing all kinds of stuff around the world. Medical work, disaster relief, of course, evangelism, church planning, trauma healing, serving in centers that that teach family skills, teaching in second language, uh, aviation, uh, you name it. We're doing it somewhere in the world. And there are many, many opportunities for you to go and to be a part, uh, feet on the ground, boots on the ground, to help the Alliance accomplish its part in what God is doing around the world today. So Laura and I came from the outside to bring access. We spent 33 years equipping men and women like Melanie and Musa that you see here before you to create sustainable access from the inside. So Musa graduated from Fatiak, from the seminary, with a master's degree in translation. And he's gone to the west central part of Cote d'Ivoire, where there are groups with little or no access to the gospel. And there he is in the process of translating the scriptures, God's word, into a language that up until that time had no access to the gospel. So Amos and Sylvie, Salimata Dembele, 
Musa and his wife, these are people who are involved in this unfolding story of what God is doing in the round in, in the world today. What will be your chapter in what God is doing in the world? How will you give access to the people who still lack it? All of these people have given themselves totally to what God is doing in the world today. The question is, what are we doing? What is our role? What is our response? How will our chapter be read in the story that God is writing in the world today? Thank you. Thank you, Jeter. We went to uh, want to invite the worship team to come up, and we'll uh, we'll have a song, and then we'll celebrate uh, what God is doing. And uh, I just want to encourage you. We've we've been talking about giving, going, and praying, and uh, the the importance of prayer, the importance of giving. But I, I want to stress with Jeter this morning the importance of going. Uh, if we have the opportunity uh, to spend time on a mission field. And I know that's something in the future we want to provide. We want to take teams and go. And uh, so uh, just be in prayer for that. Moms and dads, uh, encourage your young ones to listen to God's call. To go, maybe not short term, but career. Uh, Jeter and Laura are actually retiring. Uh, They are not going back to the field uh, in July. And someone needs to step in and replace them. And uh, it's going to come from, from us, from the churches here, as we encourage uh, young people to hear uh, God's call on their life. So let's just stand, and uh, the worship team will lead us, and then we'll have some celebration.
be seated. We like to end Missions Conference with a big celebration. We're going to tabulate uh, the cards that have come in. Um, if there's anyone, is there anyone here who has not turned their card in that has it so that you can be included in this total? We want to make sure we have everyone and I know they'll still continue as years pass, trickle in over the next couple weeks. Um, we also have some noisemakers because what's a celebration without noise? So if we could have a couple... <laughs> just kind of pass those out just kind of take take one or two and i'm gonna we're gonna rely upon the holy spirit to pop those so whenever you feel the spirit move you just pull that string and pop away um and uh we uh we just want to have some fun and if you run out you don't have a popper then you're gonna have to use your body you're gonna have to use your voice stomp clap give a yeehaw uh however the Spirit moves you uh, this morning. So, 
Um, but uh, the, the cards have been uh, tabulated, so let me, what I want to do is just read them off, and periodically we'll get uh, a total on that. So here's the cards as they have come in. First card, Faith Promise Pledge of There you go. That's the first batch that I've been given. I don't know how many batches we have, but the total so far is $7,020. Do I have more cards? I want more cards. Here we go. $780. $480. $100. I'm told the total so far is $11,630. Is this it? Last batch. All right, here we go. Johnny Drums. $1,000. Another $1,200. Five hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars. Forty dollars. Two hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars. Twelve hundred dollars. One thousand dollars. Twelve hundred dollars four hundred dollars twenty four hundred dollars three hundred dollars forty six dollars and the grand total wait 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 (laughs) don't aim it at the stage don't aim it at the stage we ready has anybody been doing the math in their head? Grand total. This year's faith promise from Mac is $23,416. Fantastic. Fantastic. What a joy to be able to partner with with those around the world 
uh, and and share in what God is doing. We've got one more song to close out, and uh, and then you will be dismissed with that. And I'm 
hope that you have had as much fun this week uh, as I have. I doubt that that's possible, but give it a shot. I enjoyed the last three or four days immensely. I thank you again to Jeter and Laura uh, for coming and, and being with us this week. And uh, they will be, if you've not had a chance to, to meet them or, or talk with them, they'll be back. They have a table set up back there in the back. They'll be back there for a few moments. Uh, make your way back there. And if, if for nothing else, uh, then to just say thank you for 34 years uh, of gospel ministry to the people of Cote d'Ivoire. All right? Have a great week, and we will see you Sunday night. Wait, why? <laughs>